0: But this morning is not going to be a regular Sunday morning in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. In fact, this is from what I I know the first of its kind. Uh, This is going to be a regular Mission Sunday. There have been three of our members this summer who have gone overseas in a different context to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, we're going to have... Uh, Susan Lynch come up first, and she's going to explain to you about Nicaragua, and after that, Whitney Sweat's going to explain to you about, tell you about what God's doing in Italy, and then I'll finish it up with a presentation about Brazil. So I hope that you'll make these ladies very welcome this morning. Let's welcome Susan Lynch as she comes on up.
1: morning. Can you all hear me okay? Okay. Okay. Um, a year ago, I would have never thought that I would be up here, um, so bear with me. And there are a lot of people praying, that I will stay calm as I speak. Um, I actually came to missions backwards um, about a year ago, or longer than a year ago. Um, I was struggling in my own life, and um, as I tend to always do, I was thinking too much. So I s- kept just thinking in my own head, and I couldn't get out. Um, and my mom, who dedicates her own life to serving others, always tells me if you if you can't figure out your own life or if you're stuck in your own head, do something for somebody else. If you do something for somebody else, you can't think about yourself. So I took her advice, and I have my own little travel bug. I like to go places where I don't look like everybody else around me, and I don't speak their language, and um, somewhere where I can learn something from somebody else too. So I paired her advice and my travel bug and started thinking about where I could go and what I could do to help somebody else to get out from my own head. So the past couple of years, God has been planting seeds in me. Um, in an airport in Atlanta, I ran into Jim Lovell. I was on my way back from Hawaii, and he was on his way back from Nicaragua. And we, just, we were at the same gate, and we started talking about where we had been. And I, I just remembered that. You know, he had been somewhere out of, the, out of his comfort zone to help somebody else. And then maybe a year ago, I ran into to Diane, his wife, and she had just gotten back from a trip, and we were in the grocery store. So those two things, paired with, with what I was going through last year, just took me to Nicaragua. Um, so I made a couple of phone calls. I talked to Diane, and I talked to um, Josh at Faith Fellowship. And about a week later, I was booked on a trip that nobody knew about at the time um, to go with a group of strangers to Nicaragua. And um, in that time, God revealed himself to me. I had not been saved. I didn't know Jesus. I was trying to save myself through good works and thinking that if I helped other people, I I could feel better about myself. So that's how I was trying to save myself. Um, but during that week, he revealed himself to me through the people that I was traveling with, and also the people that I was there that I was supposed to be able to help. Um, but when I left, I had such heartache for the people of that country. And one of the one of the ladies that was on the trip, actually, we were on the plane on the way back, and you know she knew that I wasn't saved, and she said, "You know, how do you how can you go somewhere and give something that you don't have?" and in my head, I was giving my time, my labor. I was playing with kids. You know, I was being nice. Um, but she was right. I didn't have Jesus to give to those people. And so when I left in set last September, my weight was even stronger because we were leaving people. And I didn't see where we made that much of an impact. You know, we were we went in and we spent a few hours with these kids, but we left. Like... How terrible like we, we just left them again, um, so over the next couple of months, I kept searching and, and talking to people and coming here and talking to people at work in different places and um, and I finally let go of my head and I accepted jesus and and there's a lot more to that story, <laughs> but I 'll try to focus on focus on Nicaragua, Nicaragua um, this morning, but he called me back. Nicaragua in June. And I went this time and, you know, I was preparing myself for the heartache that I was going to feel when I came back. Like it must be tenfold coming back a second time. So I studied Spanish and my goal was to read a, read um, David Igoliat's to the children. And um, I took pipe cleaners to make little anteojos, little eyeglasses for the kids. And um, I was really excited to be able to share my testimony. Um, we go every morning to the radio station that broadcasts over four different countries, and I was excited to be able to share God for real um, through my testimony on that radio station. So, so I was preparing myself, and we went. We arrived in San Mateo on a Sunday, and it was in the afternoon. So we we went out that first um, first afternoon to to play with some kids and cook food, and my 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 little craft were the antiojos, the eyeglasses, and the, and the book. So um, when we first got there, I started making the antiojos with the kids. And, you know, at first I was just making them, thinking that, you know, I would have that to give them. And then the kids were intrigued by it, so I was able to teach them how to bend the, the pipe cleaners and make their own antiojos. So it was so much more special to teach them how to, how to craft their gift than for me to craft it for them and to give it to them. Um, and as I ran out of pipe cleaners, the stew was finished. So all of the kids gathered the bowls that they had brought with them, or we, we handed out bowls to the kids who didn't have bowls, and they they got their stew, and they went to sit under a little porch so they could be in the shade to eat their stew. So I had David E. Goliath in my backpack and pulled it out and went up and asked if I could... Um, if I could read to them in very poor Spanish. <laughs> and they all said, see? And I read the book to them, and they sat eating their stew. Like they were watching cars on TV in their own living room. And it was like the most special thing that, that I was able to share with them. And when, I, when we finished the story, and the, our leaders yelled, gringos, get on the truck. It's how he called us to get back on the truck so we weren't left in the villages. Um, a little girl was holding the book and reading it to herself. And as she sat there, she was reading just like this out loud and slowly. And she was so thrilled to have that book in her hands and to be able to read. Um, But I knew that that was just my first day, and I was going to read that book. I only had one. I was going to read that book throughout that whole week. So I said, yo siento. I took the book away. I'm sorry. And I took the book and put it back in my book bag and got on the truck and headed out for the rest of the week. So I had a little bit of that heartache right then, but I was, I was still okay. Um, the next morning and every morning, we wake up and we have devotions and a prayer before breakfast, and then we go out to the radio station. Um, at the radio station, we um, several of us each morning share testimonies, and they sing, and there's a, there's a service that gets broadcast to those four countries. Um, So I was very excited to be able to share what God has done in my life since I was there last September. Um, I was excited to go into the villages every day, to play with the kids, to try to share Jesus in my very poor Spanish, Um, and everything, even when I left the villages. The part that got me last September was when I left the villages, and we were just walking away, and we were throwing out what little we had to them, but... This time, I was at peace, even when we were leaving the villages. So, um, late in the week, several of us gathered up our gusto, and we took a two-hour truck ride, very adventurous truck ride, (laughs) I'd add, and hiked an hour and a half up a mountain. And at the top of this mountain, the ridges that border Nicaragua and Honduras, there's a church. And that church services villages or communities that cling to the side of that mountain. And people will walk an hour to get to church on Sunday mornings or if they have events other times. And those people walked with us to get to that church, and we held a church service there. And, you know, you think about how far we have to come to church. I've lived like a quarter of a mile down the road. Sometimes I don't get here on time. Um, But they are so dedicated to God and to learning about God and the community, the community that they have with each other just strengthens them. They are so dedicated to making it there. So I left, played with the kids a little bit there. We had a church service um, in Spanish, but you know the word the word of God and the Spirit of God was there. You didn't have to understand what the preacher was saying to be able to understand the presence that was there. Um, and I left David Igoliot e. in that village. And when I left it there, I was like, this is exactly where this book needs to be because they're so far removed. They, they don't get somebody who can walk an hour and a half up that mountain on a regular basis. So I left the book there and I thought, yep, that's why, that's why I needed to leave that book there. And that evening, um, we were back in our community, and I was talking with um, Emily, a missionary from Georgia, who has spent the last year of her life there teaching in a school and teaching teachers how to teach more effectively. And I just asked her, well, the last time I was there, their need was tuition, to let kids, you know, get into that school. Um, and I asked her again what her need was, and she said, books. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I just I just took a book away from a little girl, and that and it hurt me. And I just left a book at a village where they're going to appreciate that. But I can do more. I can do more books. Um, so that I knew was a way that we could continue to ro- to work in Nicaragua, and. It, you know just one announcement and some conversations with y'all we've already um, collected nearly fifty books to take to Nicaragua in September when faith fellowship goes then so thank you for for what you've done what for what you've done in Nicaragua just sitting right here um, so in the mornings, we start off with devotions, testimonies. We go out. We might do some, some work. There's a clinic that they're building. We might do some work around that. And then we go out to the villages where we play with the kids. We cook stew. We give out food. Where um, a, One bag of food that costs $8 feeds a family of 8 for a week. And we give out two bags of food to every mother. In the village, um, and the the stew is primarily for the for the kids to come and partake, and anybody um, that's left over gets some stew. And then in the evenings, we have a God moment where we reflect on what we've done in that day and where we've seen God work or how God has touched our lives. And it is so hard to find one God moment for one day, and it's even harder to find a God moment for the entire week. Um, and I would love to share all of them, um, and I'd love to be able to talk through the pictures, but um, I realized when I, when I came back, you know, I still had this struggle. Like, why was I so, Why am I so calm? Had I, had I calloused myself to travel and to this country? You know, I've only been there once. Surely I haven't calloused myself already. But I thought back to one of the villages that we were in, and there was a lady One of the village elders came up to us, and she kissed us, and she hugged us. And thankfully, we had a translator there with us. And she told us that they had been praying for God to come bless their village. And that when we came, she knew that God had sent us. And she thanked him and praised him for sending us to do his work. And that's my God moment of Nicaragua. That in September, we were people leaving, but... Now I know God never leaves. I don't have to worry about the people of Nicaragua because God is always there. And he just uses us, our hands and our feet, and sometimes our finances, to send people to go and play with the kids and to do things to take off some of the burden that they have for a few moments so they can be refreshed and praise God for the things that they have. So... Um, you know, we are up here talking about Nicaragua and Italy and Brazil, but missions don't, you don't have to get on a plane to do missions. You know, everybody, your life is a reflection of what God has done in you, and we should, we should live that way. Um, there's a verse in Luke, chapter 8, verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out in the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever will be given more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. We've all been given gifts, and the more we share those gifts with other people, the more gifts and the more light will receive in return thank you and this is this is a song that we sang I didn't sing because I don't sing but this is a song that everybody else sang in the um in the radio station and it um it just really touched my heart You know, at first when I listened to it, I was thinking about the people of Nicaragua. Um, May the weak say they are strong. May the poor say they are rich. Um, But I realized it's really what the Lord has done in me.
2: May the weak say.
3: As you all know, I'm Whitney, and I went to Italy um, for two and a half weeks in July. And I'm actually going to start off with a slideshow of pictures. Um, but in Italy, the people that we minister to, they don't really have any physical needs. They don't need food. They don't need clothes. They don't need a place to stay. They, they're taken care of as far as that's concerned. But their souls are empty, and they're completely lost. And, um, but they don't even realize it. So, um, you know, my pictures will be a little bit different, but um, some of them are kind of just funny pictures. And my camera broke, so I had to steal other people's pictures. But um, I had an awesome time, and the song that's going to be playing is called Always. And um, I hadn't heard this song until the first night that we were at Liberty. We had a couple days of training before I flew out, and um, we sang this song. And it just talks about how God is our refuge and our strength, and he's not going to delay. And we don't need to fear anything because he's taking care of us. So um, just listen to the words of this song. We sang it throughout the trip. I constantly had it stuck in my head. Um, But it's just a wonderful song. So. Couple of the pictures that I could find on Facebook, and there's lots more um, if y'all are friends with me on Facebook that you can see. But um, before I left for Italy, first of all, that was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. But um, when I decided to go, it was back I think in like the beginning of February when I decided to go, and um, I have no idea why I chose to go. Like. I wanted to go out of the country, but I didn't know how I was going to do that. And so I was just, I remember my friend um, telling me about extreme impact, and she went to um, India on a trip with them. And so I was like, well, I'll look at um, some of the other trips that they're doing. And I saw Italy, and I was like, you know, that'd be pretty cool. And then I prayed about it for maybe like 10 seconds, and I was like, "Mm, okay. And so I just kind of filled out the application, decided to go. And then after I did that, I was like, what did I just do? I was like, it's going to cost me over $3,000 to go on this trip. I have no money. And I was like, "I, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I don't even know if this is really God's will. So I kept praying about it, kept praying about it. And I was like, God, if you want me to go, I know you're going to open up the doors. And, um, I met you all and you all just supported me so graciously. And, um, I raised all the money that I needed to go on the trip, which was awesome. But still, I was like, I don't know why I'm going, um, you know. And I kept getting asked, why are you going to Italy? And because for some reason, I mean, I never thought of Italy being a mission field, but it's a huge mission field. I just didn't realize it. Um, but it's awesome because I got to Italy, and I immediately was having culture shock, and I was like, this is so weird and I just fell in love with the country and the people there like instantly, and it was awesome. And um, some of the people I got to talk to, you know, I was just like, God, why am I here? And as soon as I would start talking to these people, it was like God was showing me, I sent you here to speak to this person. I sent you here to speak to this person. They needed to hear you. And that feeling is just indescribable. It's just awesome. But I just wanted to give you all some um, facts about Italy that. You know, I certainly didn't know until I was there. Um, our missionary that we met with um, over in Italy, he uh, gave us some of these facts. But um, in Italy, there are 34,000 cities and towns. Um, and out of those, 32,000 cities and towns have nothing evangelical. So there's 34,000 cities and towns, and 32,000 don't have anything that is evangelical at all. Um, 60 million people live in Italy and 95% of those are Catholic and the thing about Italy is like you are pretty much born into the Catholic church Um, so that's kind of just like a part of being Italian is you're Catholic Um, 5% are active Catholics so most people are Catholic but they're just not active Catholics Um, and let me see 0.6% of the population in Italy are evangelicals. So not 1%, 0.6%. So 99.4% of the entire population in Italy are not evangelicals. Which means that there's a higher percentage of um, people that are not evangelicals in Italy than there is in India. Which when I found out that, that completely shocked me because India is so populated. But... um, And there's also more people that are not evangelicals in Italy than there are in China. So basically, um, Italy is not a Christian country at all. And um, 90% is the number of missionaries that go to Italy and within four years quit or go back to the U.S. So 9 out of 10 people that go over to Italy leave, um, which is pretty heartbreaking. But those people are so incredibly hard to reach and um, we had a team go to Brazil and um, Jeff will talk to you about Brazil and the people down there seem to be just so open and so ready and it's kinda like the ground in Brazil is fertile and it's ready but in Italy we, don't, we can't even spread the seed we have to move the rocks so that we can clear the ground that's, that's how hard it is these people are to reach but um, so there's our, those are some facts about Italy Um, And so one of the things that they taught us at this training camp that we had before we left um, Our leaders of the team told us they were like, you know, realistically You guys might not see a single salvation, which to me I was immediately discouraged I was like, well, that's why I came And um, they told us they were like, don't get discouraged They were like, you know, in America it's so easy for us to get caught up in numbers And everything is numbers and the bigger the better But It's not about that. And the successfulness of our trip is not based on the number of salvations that we see. You know, it's awesome if people get saved. That's great. That's what we want. That's the whole purpose. But God takes care of that. And our job is to follow God. And, you know, like he called us to go to Italy. And we're obeying him by going. And as long as we do what he tells us to do and share the gospel, we've taken care of our job. And so that was one thing I really had to learn. Um... So, but during our trip, we did three different types of ministry. Um, We did track distribution, which is basically, we had these, like, little flyers, and they had on them um, just describing, like, the gospel, and if they had any questions, they had a phone number that they could call, and in Italy, it's not illegal to put things in mailboxes, so we would pass these out to people, or we would put them in their mailboxes, and before we actually did that, I was kind of like, that's probably not going to do anything, but, um, You know, it might be kind of boring, but it was awesome. It was awesome when we got to pray for those people that we were putting, handing out the flyers to. And um, that was just, it was awesome. Um, Another type of ministry we did is children's ministry. This was maybe my favorite because we got to work with kids. And we would um, go to parks pretty much every day. And um, we would do puppet shows, which you saw a couple of pictures of. We would do puppet shows for the kids. We would read them little stories um, based out of the Bible, but in a way that kids could understand. Like we had one story called The Prodigal Puppy. and it was really cute. Um, and so we would read them those stories. And um, we would share the gospel with them. And we would just have fun. And it was just amazing to see how happy those kids were. And one of the girls... Um, that came, she had actually seen our group come for several years, so she knew all those stories. And that was just awesome to see a a kid that's understanding these things now because that's what we want is to open their eyes. So that was awesome. Another ministry we did was drama ministry. You guys saw a couple pictures of that of all of us dressed up in black. Um, We did two different dramas. One of them um, basically explains the creation story and the fall of man, and how Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins. Um, and then we had another drama, and that was called Bring Me to Life, and that was about a girl who um, was facing different struggles in life. She kept trying to fill her life with different things, um, like drugs or alcohol relationships, um, trying to fix her self-image and things like that. But um, we would perform these dramas in different streets in Italy, and... Um, Sometimes we would draw crowds of over 100 people. Sometimes it would just be a few people. But after each drama, we would have someone, um, and obviously we'd have a translator too, but we would have someone explain what this drama was about. Like this drama that you just saw was about creation and how God created the world and it was perfect, but then sin entered the world. And um, so people would stay and watch that. And then as soon as we got to the part where we were explaining how you could have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he can save you from your sins, you would see the crowd of 100 go to like 20 people in just a matter of seconds. So that could be really discouraging. But one thing that was just amazing is when we were standing there and they gave us those flyers to hand out to people once they were done explaining the dramas, and so um, after the dramas were done, after they were done explaining, we would go and talk to the people, ask if they spoke English. If they did, that was great. Um, so we would be standing there while they were explaining the dramas, and every time I would try to remember to um, just ask God, okay, who do you want me to go to? Who is it in this crowd that I can go speak to? And um, every time, he would be like almost immediately, this person or this person. And so one night... Um, I was praying, and I was like, God, who do you want me to speak to? And I saw these two girls standing there, and he was like, go speak to them after the after they're done. And so um, I went, and then one of the guys, his name is uh, Jeff, he was on the trip. He went with me, and um, we went up to these two girls. We asked if they spoke English, They said they did, and they were actually from Austria. And, um, you know, we asked them if they understood the drama and what it was about, and they said um, they did pretty much, you know— um, and so I asked them if they had any religious beliefs, and they said no. And so we were like, okay. And so we asked them if they had ever heard of heaven or hell, and they said no. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, we're, we're starting from nothing. We're starting from scratch explaining the gospel, which I had never done before. But um, we explained to them hell and heaven and um you know, why people naturally will go to hell, but how Jesus can save you by having a relationship. It's not about the works that you do. Um, And so we explained that to them, and I asked them if they had a Bible in their house, and surprisingly, they had a Bible in their house. That just, that shocked me, that they didn't know anything about heaven or hell, but they had a Bible sitting in their house. So I told them, I was like, go home. I was like, read your Bible. I was like, um, I told them to uh, read the book of John, And, um, you know, if they had anything that they weren't sure about, to look it up and, um, you know, search the internet and just think about what we were saying. And they agreed to do that. And, um, you know, I asked them, I was like, do you ever think about what's going to happen when you die? And they said, no. And I was like, well, it's not something I like to think about, but it's true. I was like, at some point, you're not going to be here anymore. And I was like, you need to think about what's going to happen after this life. It's not the best thing to think about. It's not always the most fun, but that's what you have to think about. Because in eternity, that's all that's going to matter. And so they just kind of stepped back, and they're like, Whoa, we've never thought about that before. And, you know, like I said, while I was talking to them, I was praying that God would give me the words to say. And it was just awesome because I knew that I was there to speak to those two girls in particular. And that was just, that was amazing. So that was one of the really cool stories that happened. Um, Something else that happened is... Um, One of the nights we were riding on a bus to go do drama ministry, which we typically did in the evening, and it had been raining all day. And so we were like, if it's raining, we can't really do drama ministry because Italians hate rain and they won't be out. So we were really discouraged, but we were on the bus ride, and we all just decided to just pray that the rain would stop. And so we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we finally got to the city where we were going to do ministry, and there wasn't a drop of rain anywhere even though it had been raining all day. And that was just, that was awesome to feel that. Because it was like you could feel the power of God saying, I want you here, I want you here to do this. Um, so I just, I ask that you all would remember Italy, because it's not something you typically think of when you think of a mission field. And I hope that you all don't dis- get discouraged, because I personally didn't see any salvations, but... I know God is working in those people that we spoke to because I know that his way and his plan is better than mine. If I could have it my way, I would have walked up to everyone I saw and been shaking them to death and saying, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, but that wouldn't have done any good. So I just ask that you all would remember Italy, pray for Italy, pray for the people that I ministered to, that they would remember what I said to them and that they would remember what they saw and that God would continue to stir their hearts. And, um, you know, everybody's asking me, how was your trip? It was awesome. I want to go back. Um, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So, yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you so Thank you. much, Whitney and Susan. I want to read to you a verse of scripture if you have your Bible in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, these are Jesus's last words on earth here. If you um, haven't bookmarked this in your Bible, I would encourage you to and to meditate on it. <clears throat> I'll begin to read in verse 16. The Bible says Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Interesting phrase. Some people doubted even after the resurrection. Verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So I, we have heard testimony this morning, of a couple of young ladies who have been faithful to that. And I pray that, that some of you, we, we can get something going here this next year. But this, this presentation may answer some of your questions as well. This is the first place that we went. Uh, it's Flacheras. If you look at a map of Brazil, it's kind of on the eastern uh, seaboard, this, the state of Alagoas, which is the second poorest state in Brazil. There's just a few pictures uh, of some of the children there. They're beautiful kids. And they're very open to the gospel. This is Terry Freeland. Um, Terry's okay with me sharing this. She's in her late 70s. And she's on a mission trip. What in the world is she doing with those balls? If you've ever seen... This goes back old school VBS. How many of you have ever uh, received one of those bracelets, right? It's got the different colors... Uh, it starts off with, I think it's blue that represents the creation, and then the black represents the sin. The red represents Jesus coming to take care of our sin. After that, it's green representing uh, white, representing uh, God cleansing us. Green, which represents us growing as a Christian. And finally, gold, which um, is a picture of going to heaven one day when we die. So she's there in the schools uh, sharing, sharing the Word. So that's awesome. This is Clyde Shooping. He's a retired school superintendent. I'm from North Carolina. Clyde is 73, and he's on a mission trip. This guy is a definite winner. He turned 75 in Brazil, and he said, hey, I've gone three quarters out of the game. Why not go to the fourth quarter and live to 100? Why not? You know, he's a really funny guy. Some of y'all get that? Um, He's a a fighter. His name is Don Watts. Don is 75. Here's Don, hard at work, laying brick. Something Don told me. I said, Don, I... I," I can be honest with you because he's a great guy. I said, what can you tell me about age and mission trips? And he said, well, a lot of the uh, people at my church, he says, they can go to the mountains and they can go to the beach, but some of them can't ever find the ability to go on a mission trip. I was like, man. But anyway, we've got that on a documentary that'll be coming out pretty soon. It's great. Very popular. Uh, this is Everett. Uh, Everett Kendall. Everett is 70 years old. If you can read his shirt, it says, it's not the age, it's the attitude. Amen. And he's on a mission trip. There's Everett Hart at work is actually our foreman making sure that we didn't build a church building that would fall down and kill people. This is uh, Bill Sherwood. Bill's actually a retired professor of microbiology from Lynchburg College. Pretty cool. Uh, Small world. And Bill um, speaks Portuguese, and he was there as our translator. Anybody want to take a stab at how young Bill is? 82, add five to that. Good try. 87 years old, and he's in Brazil on a mission trip. Now, he wasn't able to run, sprint down the streets, but he just had that steady, you know, that steady shuffle, and, man, he was going for it. So, uh, yeah, 80, 87. I was like, man, that is so cool. That's, that's an awesome uh, picture of me. So many of you know Dr. Joe Gibson, my friend from Greenville. He's a dentist. Um, this, I think, just this picture. If you could be there, Justin will be making a video. Maybe we can show that someday in church here. But he destroys the myth that if you're older than you, that you can't um, relate to young kids. Uh, he, was, he was there um, with the young kids. Uh, this is where we stayed. Uh, this is a place that hadn't been lived in for about three years. It had uh, had some really good mold action. You know what I'm talking about? Some cures that were going in there. Some penicillin growing, if you know what I'm talking about. But um, it was, uh, it was good to be able to stay there. This was an awesome thing. The kids weren't, it wasn't really a safety conscious area. Uh, they were around a construction site with really like flip-flops at best. So this young man got a cut on his foot and all his friends were, oh no, it's no big deal. But Dr. Joe insisted, no, I want to clean your wound. And after about 30 seconds of everybody pointing and laughing, it kind of got quiet. And they knew that he was a dentist. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like, why would this... This rich American professional white-collar guy come to Brazil and why would he be cleaning this dirt-poor, dirt-poor kid's foot? I just thought of what Jesus did, that He cleaned the feet of the disciples and these kids heard the Gospel. And, and to me, honestly, um, the people that we, that, that we looked at, and there's a lot more senior citizens who were on the trip, those are people I look up to. Like I, I go to people like that for advice who do the Gospel. It was awesome. So next year, we're going to be there too. Um, this is my brother Justin. <clears throat> um, he is not, but he's doing a handstand there. That's what he likes to do for those of you who enjoy acrobatics. Uh, he is not, let's see, go back. He's not teaching the kids how to smoke stogies there. That's actually uh, sugar cane. They were surrounded by sugar cane, and the kids would go cut that every day. And uh, they had a really good time. Um, Doing that. Justin also did a lot of acrobatic flips. He can actually do running gainer on the ground, back flip, front flip. He was climbing telephone poles with the kids. We're very safety conscious, mission team, uh, as you can see. But he had like this following of all of these kids in the area, and then he, he knows how to uh, This may be kind of weird saying this from Pulpit, but he knows how to imitate the movements of a monkey. It's it's a great spiritual gift. Um, some of you may not may not understand that. So I didn't see that when I went through you know Book of Ephesians, but but it was so cool though to see him acting like like the crazy person that he is, and then all of these kids begin to come and they just loved him. I mean, he had like thirty kids, like he was getting ground and pounded by like 30, 30 you know little Brazilian kids, and it was just so cool because they were laughing, you know, and they were having fun. But God used him uh, and who he was to be able to reach. A lot of those um, young kids. And this right here is a Brazilian um, security system. This is actually steel spikes on top of a wall. And this uh, guy right there um, with the gray shirt, you say, well, how how young can you be to go on a mission trip? This is Grant. He went with his grandparents. He's 15 years old. And he went on a mission trip last year. He went with his grandparents. It was awesome. Awesome. And uh, he had kind of Justin Bieber hair, so that really was, was kind of like a, uh, for those of you who don't know who that is, you, you haven't really missed anything. It was a really good draw. <clears throat> um, this is actually a very, gre- this is the first church building. Very aggressive engineering. It was basically built on the side of a hill. So the drop between, if you walk in this side by the time you reach the other side, which is maybe 30, 40 foot, you would have had a drop of at least six foot. So it was very, very aggressive. I, I like that. Um, it was beautiful. I told them they need, to, they need to cover the walls on the back because if they had that type of view, nobody would ever pay attention to the preaching. I would be totally you know distracted by that. But we were able to get it completed enough um, for the last night. Here's little kids surrounding uh, Everett. They loved him. <clears throat> and this is the second building. It went up a lot quicker. We had a, had a lot stronger team there at the Nationals. This is more construction. This is a picture of the city. So what we would basically do is we would go in and we would do construction during the day. We would also go into the schools during the day. And here's the interesting, here's the interesting part. Um, just a few pictures of, of around town. It was abject poverty. Abject poverty there. Kids listening, um, if you can't really see, uh, I, have, um, I thought it was good to bring the Bubba Teeth. Bubba teeth are basically dentures that look like you have never been to the dentist and you floss with chain. Um, and it's a really good way in other cultures, I think, to break the ice as long as you take them out rather quickly. Otherwise, they'll be freaked out. But um, we would do evangelism. This is a little book. Um, this is what we did on Wednesday night, in fact, The Way of the Master. Uh, the question, do, do you consider yourself to be a good person? We had those in Portuguese. So we just say, você uma boa pessoa. And they're like, Whoa he speaks Portuguese, and then they just, you know, unload, and you're like, I don't, no comprende, and, uh, but we would just read through that tract, it's a really cool, it's fun to read, and we would just go through the tract with the kids there at the job site, It's awesome, um, and there's me after getting uh, beaten up by a bunch of little kids, and here's also um, one of the shots from the school, we would go there and just, I'm sorry, we don't, the lighting's not the best in here. But this right here is a play. Um, I, I, I appreciated the pastor. He was, was very. Um, he didn't really. He was willing to do things that nobody else did. We did a men's Bible study on Friday night there on the street. So there were like 30 to 50 dudes. I said 30 on Facebook because I didn't want to give evangelistic numbers. If there's like 20 people there and the evangelist says there's 400. But I was told later there's close to 50. So 30 and 50 um, guys just there on the street corner. So we talked about biblical manhood. And it was, it was absolutely awesome. They had the ladies like right down the block doing a ladies Bible study. And there were seriously like 75 plus women out there. One of the ladies was teaching the word. There's just such an openness in Brazil um, to the gospel. And um, <clears throat> this right here, you can't really see it, but it's a pit that's about 13 feet long, uh, about this wide and about four feet deep, and it's where they were going to cook a whole cow uh, yesterday, which I admit because I wanted to be back here with you guys, but I would have been able to be uh, with a whole cow being eaten. And these are long sticks that they stick into it and flip it over. It's like a 20-man job. That is, that is manliness right there. Um, this special guy is named Anderson. Uh, he did not go to... Uh, he was not involved in church, but by the time we left, we were able to witness to him many times. Him and another guy who worked at the hotel, one of the most humble men I've ever met, a guy in his mid-twenties. This guy was broken when we left. He was a non-practicing Catholic, had not gone to Mass in a long time. They said that they were both going to start attending the church, uh, the local church that we had started there. And this is the pastor of the second church. Uh, he's just a little bit older than I am. And uh, I preached um, on Sunday night and they had a packed, packed building. Um, and I preached for probably about 35 minutes, something like that. And he came up to me after the after I finished and he said, why did you stop? I was like, why well, did I, i'm i'm done i guess i i think i don't know he would keep going he and, he and he said he said through the translator he said and this this really convicted me as a preacher he said they're here to listen they're here to listen you can keep going and i was like man how many times when i haven't been preaching and before i was a pastor did i come to church but i was not there to listen it's like they came to listen it's incredible Um, These two guys, uh, the guy on the left is a new believer. He got saved about a year ago. They gave me a ride to the airport. Um, I'm just going to have to let you guys know. I've been able to hold this back. This is too cool. Um, The guy on the right was driving a little three-cylinder car. And uh, he kind of revved the car going through town. And I just looked at him. and I was like, Yeah! Race car. And he, his eyes kind of got big, like the American like speed. So on the way, um, he let me know what. And let me tell you what you may have gone fast on a motorcycle or car, but you've never been fast when you've been fast in a three cylinder car with three dudes loaded down with luggage. Um, we, uh, we hit 160 kilometers an hour, a little over 100 miles an hour, and that little thing was shaking, you know, going on this long abandoned road. And, and I made the mistake of telling my mom that when, when we got back. So, uh, but you don't have to do that. If you go to Brazil, we'll tell them to keep it, um, keep it reasonable. Um, but over this trip, there were over 6,000 people who heard the gospel. That's a very conservative estimate, who heard the gospel Um, The gospel was given. I had the opportunity to preach at the commencement service for the first building that we did there on the side of that mountain. And uh, there were a number of young men who came forward to give their lives to Jesus. And uh, one of them, he wasn't as tall as Vanderlei Silva, for those of you who are into mixed martial arts. But this tough-looking Brazilian dude, I was like, "Damn, Vanderlei Silva's younger brother just got saved. I mean, it was just so amazing, though, to see... To see guys who could who could totally tap me out, beat me up, but there's such an openness. I'm serious, guys. The fact that you say, Jeff, I don't know how to, I'm not a sing or preach, or I don't know how to do whatever. The fact that you're an American, if you go over there, you will have a crowd of people around you asking you questions. Not anything weird. They're not trying to pickpocket you, but they want American friends. They think that we're cool. So we only try to go two weeks at the max because we don't want them to, you know, after that, they'll be like, oh, you're, you're not. Okay, you know, we try to come back. So, so but seriously, I, I just want to encourage you, no matter, you know, what age or, or whatever, to think about it and just think about it and pray about it because Brazil is so open. Um, there's so many countries around the world that, that, that are, are ready to receive the gospel. And something that I've seen the Lord do is just the fact, this is so weird just the fact of the country that we were born in, we can go to other countries and around the world and be invited every single day. Check this out into the public schools, and you can share the gospel. The gospel, like Whitney was referencing, evangelical. What does evangelical? It simply means Jesus is the only way to heaven. The gospel, and we got to go there basically every day and share the gospel. So one day we shared the gospel with over three hundred students in a public school, and the question came to me as an American, who's free? Who's free? Right? Land of the free, home of the brave? I'm not going to get off onto this tangent. I simply want you to think about it and pray about it. We pride ourselves as Americans as being free people, but we have essentially within our, within our, our public school overarching, from, from, from the top, not the teachers, from the top, um, something that's very akin to a Soviet model to where the teachers and leaders cannot cannot mention God unless they're asked and they can only give a specific answer then and there. So I just pray that, that you would, would, all of us, just simply pray about it. I'm not sure where we're going to be able to go next year. I pray that it does work out, but if you're not able to go for some reason, I want you to pray about supporting. This church, I think it was like 800 bucks on the fly, one day, Whitney, boom. You had not even been, been a member here really long. They're like, oh, cool, you're going to share the gospel. That's great. So you guys will support it. You supported this. So pray about it. And um, I just think of the passage in, in the book of Revelation when, it's, when everyone is before the throne of God and it says there are people of every kindred, tribe, and tongue. And we're there surrounding, surrounding the throne and we're singing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And between now and then, We need to reach people here. Amen? Just because we do stuff like this does not mean we neglect Franklin County at all. In fact, I think it enhances it. But let us just as a church pray, say, Lord, what do you want me to do? For some of you, it may be that you go. Some of you, it may be that you sin. And some of us, it may be that we witness to those people that we haven't. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Fred's coming to lead us in an invitation hymn, a hymn, a song of commitment. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my Christian life where I've just been dry. If there's a dryness in your heart today, If you're a Christian, you say, Jeff, man, I want that. I want that communion and that fire. I want that connection that I had, that I think I had with God at one point. I'm just going to give you a chance this morning. Just just there in your seat or if you need to come and and just pray near these steps or what we we, we call an altar sometimes. If you just need to get right with the Lord, just do that. Say, Lord, would you please just revive me? And if you're uh, someone here today, you have never been saved. You know right now that you have no assurance where you would go when you die. You fear death. The Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise from God. So right now in your seat, just ask, just cry out to God. Say, God, would you save me? Would you save me? Ask Him. Give Him your life. And when we begin to sing, we're going to ask that you simply get up out of your seat and walk down uh, the center or one of the, the outside aisles. And by doing that, you're not saving yourself, but you're letting the Lord and letting people here know that I am ready to live for Jesus. And for the ones who've been saved and you want to join us, we ask you to come. If you need to be baptized like Gabe was this morning, you've been saved, we ask you to come. Lord, we ask that You would take this time of invitation, You would use it to Your glory, and You would raise us up, Lord, to be a mission-sending church. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to ask Whitney and Susan to join me in the back here. And if you have any questions uh, about any of the things that they spoke about, I'd encourage you to talk uh, with them. And also, I'd ask you that you would be in prayer for Regina, uh, Clark, and Joseph. Um, their, their mother passed away this week, so the service will be at 2. And what's the name of the church, Fred? It's in... What is it? Town Creek Primitive Baptist in Henry at 2 o'clock. So I'll be riding with Fred. Uh, If you don't know how to get there, just ask one of us and we'll find somebody uh, who will tell you. I just want to say that I did miss you guys last week. I heard that Dr. Purser hit a home run. Amen? Amen. Last Sunday morning. But I'm glad to be back with you. Um, And I love you all. I'm looking back, getting into the saddle, getting back to work here. So let me pray for you and just bless you one last time. And I pray that you have a great day serving the Lord. Father, we thank You so much for, for Your grace. And I thank You for the faithfulness of uh, these two young ladies who are willing to answer Your call. And God, I thank You for each person here uh, this year who may not have been able to go, but was able to support financially, encouragement, and through prayer. Lord, I pray that You would richly bless each and every person that has shown interest and contributed and prayed for these trips in an incredible way. And God, that You would let them know that they have had a part in what You are doing. We just thank You, God. You're awesome. Would You help us to continue um, to seek after You? Because You're the leader, God. In Your name we pray. Amen. Love y'all. Thank you.